Let me ask you a question. Who's your restaurant for? And please don't say everyone. It is not for everyone. For starters, 99% of the world's population has probably never even heard of your restaurant, nor can they easily get to your restaurant. There's a huge number of people that won't be able to afford your restaurant, and I bet um, there are a huge number of people that won't even like the kind of food you serve in your restaurant. So immediately we've identified like 7 billion people who won't ever be your customers, and that's good news. It's great news, in fact, because by identifying who your product is not for, we can start getting clear about who it is for. And that just means we can be more strategic about how we reach our target audience. Stick around because this episode is all about figuring out who your restaurant is for. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who can see when shown, and those who will never see. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for everyone in the middle. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I want to thank you again for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to chefs, restaurant owners, and marketing professionals working in the hospitality industry. Each episode, I choose a different topic. We explore that topic. We pick it apart, hopefully come across some useful insights, and then we finish up with an assignment. I leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas and concepts we talk about here on the show, because I believe information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Oftentimes I think, and I'm certainly guilty of this, we'll listen to a podcast on our commute or at the gym and, and we'll nod along with the ideas and the insights being shared, but we then fail to implement them into our daily lives. So I've made it a concerted effort here on this show um, to give you ways to, um, to, to put these things into practice, to start moving the needle in your business. If you like the podcast, I want to invite you to go ahead and subscribe. And if you feel so inclined, obviously, please go and leave a review. The more five-star ratings we get, the more it just helps boost our visibility, which means we can reach more people and eventually start to broaden the discussion. This is the second in a five-episode arc where we're talking all about the five marketing pillars. Uh, so this is something uh, that I do with new clients. It's an exercise I do uh, whenever I bring somebody new on uh, to just help give them a, a strong base of knowledge to, to better understand who they are and, and what they're offering. So the five marketing pillars, as I've identified them, are identity, audience, competition, differentiation, and opportunities. And again, uh, by, by being able to articulate uh, answers to these questions, it's just going to give you a strong foundation uh, for your business. It's going to allow us to do all the rest of the work uh, that comes after. So uh, I'm going to invite you, as I've invited uh, you in the past episodes, to forget all about the fancy jargon. We're just going to go back to basics. We're going to keep things simple, and, and together we're going to learn to articulate exactly what it is you're selling and exactly who your product is for. Last episode, we talked all about identity, getting clear on the specifics of your business. What are you serving? What kind of experience are you offering? And how might you position yourself in the market? When we talk about identity, really, we're just answering that first marketing question, what's the product? So I'll remind you back in the very first episode, we agreed on a definition for marketing. It really boils down to just three questions. What's the product? 
Who's it for and how can we reach them? So pillar number one, identity, is really about just making a deep dive into that first marketing question. The assignment last week was about going through a series of steps to better understand uh, the identity of your place, to understand what it is you're serving. This week, we're going to talk about marketing pillar number two, which is audience. And this is all about identifying who you're serving. When we talk about the who in the equation, uh, marketers will often use the acronym ICA. Perhaps you've heard of it. It stands for Ideal Customer Avatar, and we're trying to get as specific as possible to determine who our product is for. The common thinking is if you can speak directly to that group, you're going to save precious time and resources. Now, you have to be a student of your audience. You have to understand who they are and what they want. You have to want to, to figure that out. I'm going to pause uh, right here and say up front that I think a lot of the avatar exercises out there are BS. You can go on to other podcasts and and uh, and websites and blogs and YouTube channels and and you can download them or, or, or see how other people do them. For me, I think they sometimes feel a bit generic and a bit textbook. Um, you complete the exercise, you feel good about the results, but then you have no idea what to do with the results to start making a difference in your business. Um, I've made two key differences to, to my avatar exercise, and we're going to get to that. At the very end, there is an exercise. That is going to be the assignment. I want you to try to identify your ICA, but we're going to do two key twists on it that, um, um, that I think are going to help uh, make it actionable to help put into practice some of the ideas that we, we come across. So we're going to get to that in a minute. First, I want to talk about um, how this can be effectively used in your business. So the best example that I know out there is Lululemon, right? The clothing company. They basically invented an entire genre of clothing. It's now known as athleisure wear. We're talking yoga clothes, right? Spandex and tights and sports bras and so on. They've revolutionized the entire fashion industry in a relatively short amount of time. And I want you to forget about how you feel about the company and the culture and, and what you've heard about the founder or the actual apparel. Right now, we're just going to use uh, them as a marketing exercise, as a case study. The company's executives have stated that their ICA, their ideal customer avatar, is very specific. And I'm quoting here. It's a 32-year-old woman named Ocean who makes $100,000 a year. She's ambitious, she travels, and she works out about 60 to 90 minutes a day. That is the kind of specificity we need. It's that kind of specificity that's helped their marketing team do extraordinary work in growing the brand. Now, I often get resistance when I use this example with clients. They'll say, well, that's so narrow. Obviously, the company sells clothes to different people who don't fit that exact demographic. And of course, that's true. But here's the best part. The company only speaks to Ocean. Their messaging, imagery, colors, store design, everything is directed only to her. But the 22-year-old woman who just started working at Ocean's company aspires to be Ocean. And the 55-year-old executive remembers being Ocean. In many ways, she still sees herself as that woman. So by speaking directly to their ICA, in this case, a 32-year-old woman named Ocean, Lululemon has found a way to connect with a broader audience. But they're able to stay true to who they are and who they're serving by maintaining specificity. The interesting thing is this. There are a variety of reasons why the company was successful early on. A big part of it was their business model, right? That, that Lululemon could be both the manufacturer and the retailer. They were able to cut out the middleman entirely and they could then mass produce clothes and instead of selling them at a discounted wholesale rate, they could sell them for full price and keep all of those profits. It's a very hard thing to do, but they figured out a way to do it. Kudos to them. 
But what they did was identify an underserved market. Fitness types who were tired of wearing baggy sweats to the gym. And think of the stereotype that we know now. A young mom drops her kids off at school in a Lululemon outfit. She goes to yoga class, then grabs lunch with colleagues or friends. This company created an outfit that she could wear all morning long. They understood her so well by getting so clear and understanding who they were serving, they could fill the need. They saw the problem and then solved the problem. So when identifying your audience, you're eventually going to look for pain points, right? You're going to look for the problems that they have. What problems can you solve for them? When you start going through the exercise to identify your ideal customer avatar, I'm going to ask you to focus on five key areas. Number one, demographics. Number two, geography. Number three, behavior. Number four, psychographics. And number five, problems or pain points. So at the beginning, consider demographics, right? These are the details like gender, age, income, marital status, family, education, occupation. Obviously, men and women are both going to eat at your restaurant, but maybe your place caters more toward one or the other. Uh, maybe, maybe one gender has the buying power or is the decision maker. For example, Buffalo Wild Wings. It's an all-American sports bar. You got wall-to-wall TVs broadcasting all kinds of sporting events. It's got an upscale pub menu focusing primarily on different varieties of fried chicken wings. The key demographic I think we can all assume is men. So this kind of specificity doesn't limit us. It just helps us get more clear and focus in our, uh, our work. Um, as an aside, I think we can all agree also that not all men are the target audience for this place. But by focusing on demographics, we're able to just trim it down and focus ever so slightly. We move on. The next is geography. I want you to consider where your audience lives, uh, their actual neighborhood. How do they get to you? car, train, subway, boat, plane. I want you to think of that part of their experience, right? Uh, Their commute to get to you has a lot to do with the overall dining experience. Was it easy to get to you or difficult? Uh, Was the dinner good enough to... um, for them to go back given uh, that it might have been inconvenient? Was it good enough for them to tell their other friends about the restaurant? But then I also want you to think about what kind of a home they live in, an apartment or a house. Do they own or do they rent? This helps us get a clearer picture of of their daily life, what their daily life is like, which helps us understand where this restaurant fits in. Following that line of thinking, I also want you to consider their behavior, meaning what are their likes and dislikes? What are some of their interests and and hobbies? What do they do with their free time? Where else do they go out to dinner? What are some of the other ways that they spend their discretionary income? Next, we're going to talk about psychographics, which is my favorite of the bunch. And if you've never heard of the term, you're not alone. Up until a few years ago, I had never heard of it either. But this is where we focus in on the mindset of our audience as opposed to the the superficial details. So uh, understanding the demographics of our audience may help in certain situations, but the psychographics help us understand what they they want out of life, what they aspire to, what they're afraid of, um, what are their ambitions. So... For example, uh, perhaps we run a restaurant in a college town, and it seems to me that we'll have two key demographics. On the one hand are the students, and on the other are the faculty and the staff. So we separate out the population based on age and probably income level, which may or may not be helpful to us. If we want to open a quieter place that will cater to an older crowd, great. We have that audience. We know that audience, and now we can start finding ways to reach them. But think about the things that might that might cross those demographic lines, right? What are things that... Um, that certain students and certain faculty may have 
uh, in common. For example, a sports bar. There may be a sports bar that will cater towards students and faculty. That's where psychographics comes in. Finally, we put all of that together and we're going to want to identify problems or pain points. We want to put ourselves in our audience's shoes to see what problems need solving. Modern marketing, it has been said, has everything to do with empathy, seeing the world as someone else sees it, which is perhaps the hardest thing to do, but also crucial. So to review, demographics might help us identify pain points in certain situations, like the example I used with the college town. Geography might help us in other situations, for example, there are no good restaurants between the highway and the new residential development that just opened up in town. So think of how many people take that route home every day. Perhaps there's a need to be served. When looking at the behavior of our ICA, we're going to be able to better understand what's important to them. We're going to understand what they value enough to spend money on and then figure out ways that we can fit into their lifestyle. Again, psychographics help us identify needs that may not be immediately visible when looking at demographics, behaviors, and geography. And then finally, once we have a clear picture of all of the first four categories, we're going to do the fifth, which is where we identify the pain points of our audience. So I'm going to use an example from my own life. My son is three, and he goes to preschool a few subway stops away here in Brooklyn. Um, in our neighborhood, we don't have a lot of good neighborhood restaurants right off our subway stop. Um, and, and I gather that's probably true for some of the other subway stops um, out here in Brooklyn. Uh, but sometimes when I go to pick up my son, he's five subway stops away, we're starving. It's getting late, and the idea of heading all the way home to then prep and cook dinner sounds awful. Uh, there are three good neighborhood restaurants within a, a walking distance of his preschool. And a lot of times when we eat at one of those restaurants, we see other parents with their kids. Those restaurants have identified a common pain point among the parents of the school. Now, the school has a mix of ages and races, all different income levels and parents from different backgrounds and upbringing. So you can't split us up based on demographics. What we share is the behavior of picking our kids up from the same preschool at about the same time. We, have the, we all share the geography problem, which is that we're all lacking decent neighborhood restaurants off of some of the other subway stops where we might live. But then the psychographics, we all want a normal meal every so often, a meal that has nothing to do with hot dogs and fish sticks and pizza. We, we aspire to show our kids a, a nicer meal, a, a more elevated experience. So this is going to be your assignment this week. I want you to identify your ICA, your ideal customer avatar. Uh, as I said at the very top, there are two key differences to my exercise versus a lot of the other exercises you'll find out there. You can go onto YouTube and you'll see hundreds of these exercises from online marketing gurus, and they're all varying degrees of the same thing. But again, I'm making two key changes to mine. So that first step is I want you to work through the four areas we discussed, demographics, geography, behavior, and psychographics. Uh, you're going to write down your answers, but then I want you to assess those pain points. So that fifth category is a key difference to this. A lot of other uh, avatar exercises out there just have you identify the audience, but I want you to identify what the audience needs, right? So that's the first change. That's the first difference. Um, the second key difference, and this is the last piece to the exercise, is I want you to think, uh, think about the answers and I want you to figure out a real person in your life who fits this avatar. If you can picture them clearly and picture their problem, you'll be more apt and more able 
to solve their problem. You'll be able to better serve them because that's what this is all building towards. You're going to solve a specific problem for this specific person. Like me with my son and the other parents picking their kids up from preschool. The restaurants in that neighborhood know how to cater to this group. At 5 p.m., we are all their target audience. So think of who this is for, someone you know, and imagine what has brought them into your restaurant in the past or what might bring them in. Or imagine the other places they dine out at and think about why they go there instead of your place. What problem do those places solve for them that your place is not solving? So I promise this is going to make sense in the coming episodes when we start to put it all together. But for now, I just want you to trust me and be as specific as possible. Again, last time we talked all about identity. This week, it's all about audience. I urged you to be specific back then in the last episode with the details of your restaurant. uh, And I'm going to urge you to do the same thing for your audience. Let's figure out who your product is for. I'll also say this, the beauty part is that if you do this right, or when you do this right, you're going to realize that you don't have to convince anyone to come to your restaurant. People will want to come to your restaurant because you are solving a problem for them. So maybe it's that uh, you're a pizza place. You are going to be the most reliable, the tastiest, the friendliest, the most extraordinary pizza place for your target audience. Maybe your place is between the highway and that specific development. Maybe you're just convenient. Literally, you're on people's drive home from work and now they're hoping you're great. Be great. They need an easy pit stop when they're on their way home from work on a Friday evening. You can be the answer they're looking for. Or maybe you're that Irish pub two blocks from the subway somewhere in Queens. There are undoubtedly a bunch of people on their way home who would love just one beer before they went home. You could be the answer to their prayers. So whose prayers are you answering? I'm going to share one more personal story because I think it helps articulate um, what I'm trying to get to here. So years ago, before my son was born, my wife and I used to do an early dinner every Sunday night. It was our date night. We'd go to the same restaurant, Gramercy Tavern. It's right in the heart of Flatiron in Manhattan. We'd find a couple of seats at the bar in the front room. It was low-key but beautiful. I could put on a nice shirt. She could put on a dress. And we felt like we could make the night special without going all out and spending a ton of money. The food was delicious but affordable. They had a first-class wine list, but also uh, about 20 offerings by the glass so we could keep it affordable if we wanted to. Um, They had a killer cocktail list and about eight craft beers on tap. So no matter what we were in the mood for, we knew we'd have our bases covered. And back then, I was working full-time in restaurant management, so my schedule was usually Tuesday through Saturday, but sometimes even Monday. So Sunday night was often our one and only night together. Uh, We didn't want to risk a bad meal, so we just kept going back to Gramercy Tavern over and over and over again. Why? Because it was the answer to our prayers. So as an aside to this whole conversation, think about your own buying habits. What kind of things do you buy and why? What makes you dine at one restaurant versus another? What products have solved your problems? I want to reiterate that these exercises are all about getting you to be more aware of why people do the things they do. If you can start to understand people better, empathizing with their needs, you're going to be able to serve them better. And that's going to be a win-win for everyone. You will be answering their prayers, providing the one thing they so desperately need, and they will be paying your bills. Finally, before I go, I want to leave you with this week's continuing education. I want to share an article by a man named Justin Bariso. It's about the three types of empathy. The article first appeared in September of last year uh, online on Inc.com, but the content is still very much relevant. As we go along, we're going to talk a lot more about empathy, so this is going to be a good introduction for you. Uh, You'll find the link in the show notes, but please just take a few minutes to read through it. It's going to take five minutes at most. I hope you're starting to see where we're going with all this. I didn't 
say this earlier, but I'll remind you that we've uh, we've built a workbook uh, for these episodes, for this these five episodes, all about the five marketing pillars. Um, you can certainly just do these exercises on your own, but there is value, I think, to having everything all collected in one place. So if you want to download uh, the workbook, go and uh, uh, check the show notes. You'll find the link there. You can download it. It's very easy. Download, print it out. Uh, I found that handwriting a lot of these answers just helps uh, kind of lock in a lot of uh, a lot of the work we do. Um, again, we're in the midst of a five-episode arc where we're dissecting the five marketing pillars. In the last episode, we talked about identity. Uh, that's figuring out what your product is. Today, we talked all about audience, figuring out who it's for. And the next episode, we're going to talk about competition. But guess what? You're not really competing with anyone. Listen to the next episode, and I'll explain what I mean. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you soon.